Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. It's much different than what we've known to be a learner today. You start looking at education systems. We, what we think learning sometimes means is, is yeah, sitting in, in rooms and facing somebody to tell us what to think, right? Or to tell us what's true. Or I'm going to memorize those things. And I, I think, I, I really believe that, that sometimes we think that discipleship is about memorization, right? If I can memorize the points of the sermon and repeat them later in the week, then that equals change in my life. But that's not what Jesus said, right? He said, he said the man that builds his house about the sand was the one who listened, but that didn't respond. But the one who built his house upon the rock was the one who listened and actually responded. So we think sometimes transformation is about new information, but transformation is about responsiveness to the words of God. And then in James 1.23, he says it a different way. He says, whoever is a hearer of the word but not a doer, it's like looking into the mirror and forgetting what you're supposed to look like. Isn't that wild? Isn't that ridiculous? That it's actually possible in our understanding of what we think growth means to listen a lot and then to totally forget what we looked like because there wasn't a responsiveness. And so sometimes we think disciple, discipleship, you know, really is about learning about Jesus, which, which is not totally untrue. There's a, lear- there's a learning aspect to our growth in God. But I believe that, the, that, the, that, that what the Spirit of God is aiming to do in us is to move us beyond admiring Jesus to actually obeying him. Is that, isn't that a wild idea? Wow, mind blown. But we live in a culture. It's just about admiring gurus and spiritual leaders. And, and we, we, we take these guys and we got posters of them. We hang the crosses around our necks. But one of the scandalous things about the day we live in is it's possible to be considered a Christian without actually being a disciple of Jesus. And somehow, somehow we've gotten away from that. And I'm not saying us in particular. One of the things I love about Vine Life, just as we're singing, just as we've been in, there's this craving. I do believe that as a people. I, I mean, in this community, I, what I love, what, what motivates me is in my conversations. I see it in your eyes. I hear it in your prayers. In the spaces I get to share with some of you, that there's this desire, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be where you are, right? I want to be in your presence. And I believe it's, I believe it's beautiful what God is doing here. And I, and I really believe that the heart of what he wants to remind us of, again, is the principle, this beginning place. When we sing, take me back to the beginning, what was your beginning? It was listening to the words of Jesus say, follow me, and our hearts leaping up for joy and responding. And so we get to be a people marked by the words of Jesus. And and I, I think that's really important. You know, when we start talking about discipleship, oftentimes there's like, okay, what does that mean? What are the groups? What are the programs? What are the classes? What are the things? What are the processes, the formulas for that? Let's just not go there yet, right? Primarily, primarily, our call, our call into the kingdom came through Jesus' words, follow me. So our first identity, our first identity is as followers of Jesus. And can you just think about that for a second? When Jesus came to his disciples and he's inviting them in, he sees them fishing. 
They didn't say, hey, Peter, you know what? Drop what you're doing. I want you to, become, I want you to come and become a Christian. Okay? Hey, hey, Peter, you know what? If you want to become fishermen, why don't you come and attend synagogue this week? Right? Why don't you come and attend something, attend an event? Or why don't you become this? Or, you know, G- or Peter, you know what? How about, how about you come and memorize everything I have to say and repeat it back to me? You know, you know, it's funny, even the word Christian, that was something given to believers later on by other people. And I've even read stuff that's saying it was kind of like a mocking because Christian actually means little Christ. Like, oh, look at all those little Christs over there. Oh, they're so cute. But initially, when Jesus was inviting people in, he wasn't inviting them into a new category of social status. The original invitation was this verb. It was follow, right? It was follow. And, and even, even his original disciples, they didn't convert anything. They were born Jews who lived as Jews and died as Jews. They just happened to find their meaning in Jesus. And, and yeah, there's rearranging that happens in our lives. And, you know, you know in the, as the gospel is spread to the rest of the world, yeah, massive turnovers. But what I'm, what I'm, turnovers in lifestyle, and we have to drop things to come into Jesus. But listen, I, what, I, what I'm trying to get at here is, can we just think about this for a second? When Jesus was calling his disciples, it was, it, it was this initial invitation, this priority, this first identity they would put on, the first thing they would put on is this, is this idea of, I am a follower. I am a follower. My first identity, I am following something. I'm actually, I'm a follower, which, which indicates movement, which indicates I don't stay exactly where I'm at, but there's this changing, there's this shifting, there's this transforming, there's the, I, the God has not left me where I'm at just to change the, the title that I give to myself, but he's taking me with him where he's going. And, and can we just settle into that for a second here today, that what got you in the door here is not that you had it all figured out, but you were a follower. Can, if, you, if, you, if that's your story, could you just say that right now, just say, I am a follower. See, you're just such a follower, right? You're such a follower. But come on, that's, that's, exactly, that's exactly the first thing that we tried on, the first thing that we came into, because there's liberation in knowing that we have a good shepherd and a good leader, and he's actually going somewhere, and he's actually leading. And so he invites his disciples to follow him. And, and man, maybe if there's such a message that's relevant today in a world that's so preoccupied by leadership and ambition and growing something for myself and attracting to people to myself, the church of Jesus Christ is the one who actually proclaims, listen, it is so much better to be a follower than a leader. Because a follower is somebody that says, listen, I, 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 I tried to figure out life on my own, but this, this man, Jesus, he showed me this whole new way, and I'm given to him. My life is not my own. My life is not my own. So we get to be followers. We get to be followers of Jesus. Our primary, our primary identity coming to the kingdom of God is as a follower. I'm a follower. And I love the way that Jesus starts to address this. And, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn, just flip a few pages forward, Matthew chapter 9. He was serious about this. Because the funny thing is, even first century people were trying to fit Jesus into their lives. That's not a new problem. That was a first century problem, too. So as Jesus was walking around and he was, you know, proclaiming, 
hey, this is what life in the kingdom could look like if you would like to respond to it. And so people started trying to respond to it. And here's what we read in, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 57. It says this, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow, follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to them, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And what, what is he responding to there? Okay, if you want to follow me, just know that we're not going to stay in one place for very long. I'm not leading you to, a, to an actual place. Like, this is, a, this is a movement. This is a place that, you know, we're, we're going to go, and then we're going to go again, and then we're going to go again, and then we're going to go again. You good with that? In verse 59, to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to them, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, that one seems a little harsh, right? The dude wants to bury his father. Let him bury his father. You know, it's like, Jesus, come on. But what he's, he's, what he's trying to get at here is, listen, like, you know, there, there's, a, there's a place, there's an orientation that comes, comes into play when, when he invites us to be a part of something totally different. There's a there's a priority. There's a thing of like, listen, if you want to follow me, this isn't you, you fitting me into your life. I'm making room at my table for you to come and to be a part of what I'm doing. And as you do that, it's going to totally reinterpret every component of your life. Listen, from now on, you are not to concern yourself with things that are dead. You are only to concern yourself with things that are alive. So he's trying to reorient. Listen, this, this kingdom requires a change a total, a total change of thinking, and it's free, and it's available to you, but it will require everything to be a part, right? And then, then a, third, a third movement here, in verse 61, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say goodbye to those at home, right? I'm going to say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And it's, and it's interesting, you know, when you read that, it's like, wow, man, he's, he's, he's drawing a line in the sand. He, there's a sword that's kind of cutting here. You guys see that? And it's, it's cutting. It's like he's not drawing any bones. I mean, there's, there's no bones about it. He is, he is saying, listen, if, if you want to respond to this, there is, there's, there's going to be no such thing as as wondering what else you could do. I'm not another option in your life. I, I, am, I'm the, I'm, I, am, I am the path to life, but I'm not just another option in your life, right? And so if you start this and say, ah, oh, this isn't quite working out, he's like, listen, that is not the invitation. The invitation is to, to, to pick up your cross and to come follow me. Man, and I think this is just such an important word that we, that, that we try on again, that we accustomize ourselves to. Even as believers who have been walking, you know, we've been walking with God, what is what we say, for a long time, there's this place where you never grow out of discipleship, right? You never grow out of it. It's this lifelong, it's an irreplaceable lifelong task of embodying the message of Jesus and becoming like him. And what's interesting is that sometimes if you pay attention to the language, I don't know how it is first you responded to God, but 
But in the church over the last several decades, we've had this language of inviting Jesus into your heart. You guys, anybody ever invited Jesus into your heart, right? Um, and a lot of like, you know, you end a sermon and we do a prayer, and if you don't know Jesus, why don't you just accept Jesus today? Why don't you invite him into your heart? And that's how a lot of us actually, maybe, if, maybe that's part of your story. You know, and there's something true about that. There's a scripture that talks about Jesus. He, he knocks on the door of our hearts, you know, and he desires to come in and dine with us. So there's this place of receiving, but, but come on, can we just, can we just um, be reminded for a second that we don't fit Jesus into our life, that he's the one who makes a place for, for us in his life? Right? And so, so there's this place sometimes where maybe even your story of coming to Jesus was somebody who convinced you to accept him so that Jesus would be happy. <laughs> you know, and it almost feels like back, you know, the total, like, blast to the past, like a game of dodgeball in junior high where everybody's lined up on the wall, you know, and, you know, and you want to make sure you're not the last to get picked, you know. And so sometimes, you know, it feels sometimes in the language like, oh, man, you better accept Jesus because he's going to be really bummed out if he doesn't get picked into your life, right? And so it's like, all right, Jesus, fine, you can come in, come in and do your thing, right? I accept you into my life. You know, I'll, I'll make space for you, G. Okay, I'll make room, you know? And sometimes, sometimes in, in, in the world of what we do and how we pray and how we sing and how we talk sometimes, there's, there's still sometimes this air of like doing Jesus a favor. I'm going to do you a solid, Jesus. You got one more heart to inhabit today, Right? One more soul going to heaven. You add that to your scoreboard, right? It's this thing of like, um, yeah, like God, I'm going to I'm going to do something for you because if I don't do this for you, you're going to be bummed out, right? You're going to be super bummed because you just didn't get picked, right? Now I'm, I'm being facetious here. You guys know Jesus does want to inhabit us. You know that. He does want to come in. He does want to take up residency because that's how he designed us to be, you know, temples of the Holy Spirit, that we get, to, we get to host the presence of God and the Spirit of God. But the core, the core invitation of kingdom living is about us hearing the words of Jesus, come and follow me. And the response of our heart is, uh, the response of our heart is okay, Jesus, I'll figure out how to fit you in. We're going to figure this out together. I'm going to figure out how to fit you into the schedule. We're going to go through the schedule one at a time, one day at a time. We're going to get you in there. It's like, no. He says, come and follow me. And the, and the disciples, what did they first do? They looked at what was in their hands, and they dropped their nets, and they left their boats. They went and followed him. They said, man, there's something, there's there's, Jesus, you're not just another great option. There's something inside of me. I want to orient myself around your movement. I want where you're going. And if you go somewhere and then decide to go somewhere new and decide to go somewhere new, I want to be that kind of person. I don't want to just settle in once we got to the first location, but I want to be a person of the way. I want to learn this new way of living, this new way of being. And it's interesting that they would drop their nets and they would, you know, they would give away their boat. You know, we don't, from, from what we tell, it's not like they just forsook, you know, they, they didn't walk away from fishing 
for the rest of their lives. Like we read later on, they're, they're back fishing again at a certain point in time. You know, even after the resurrection, Peter's back fix, fishing, okay? Because that's, that's what they knew. That's what they knew. But there was this period of time where they would drop their nets because their nets rep- represented their livelihood, their employment, their security, their what I put my trust in. And we're going to take whatever is in my hand that I'm putting my trust in and say, God, whatever it is I'm putting my trust in is not as good as putting my trust in you. Because I, know you're, I don't know where you're going, and it's actually a little bit scary, but I'm pretty sure that you're going to teach me a way of living where what's eternal will never be robbed from me. And what's, 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 what lasts will never be taken from me. And God, whatever that means, I'm willing to evaluate the things I place my trust in and say, I put my trust in you first. I put my trust in you first. And I think it's, this is so important, I think even especially for today, because, man, especially this last year, I've been more aware than ever, culturally speaking. It's, it's fascinating when you look at statistics that, as people, you know, as, as, these, as Pew Research would evaluate, even Americans, um, 25% of people now, uh, unprecedented number, 25% of people in general are listing themselves as nuns, meaning like, I do not subscribe to any, you know, religious way of thinking. And it's a, ri- it's a rising number. Under, like, 30 years old, it's like 33% of saying, like, listen, uh, that doesn't work. So they're, what they're doing is they're looking at this whole system of religion. And, w- and what I mean by that is religious people that aren't necessarily powerful people, <laughs> people who subscribe to religion but don't manifest the fruit of their life doesn't manifest anything that speaks of power or life or goodness. And they're saying, like, whatever that is, I'm not sure I want, I want to be a part of that. You know, and, and even being an evangelical, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed that, but we're not the most popular people in the country right now. Um, people that actually love the Word of God, right? Um, and, and so it's a fascinating thing because people are starting to disassociate themselves. But what I believe, and what I believe the numbers show, and, and as you actually get into conversations with people, people are not disinterested with spiritual things. They're not even disinterested with Jesus. What they're asking is, yeah, but who are the ones who are following him? Who are the, where are the disciples of Jesus? Where are the ones who don't just give mental assent to a category of status of I'm just a Christian? Who are the ones who are orienting themselves around falling in the way of Jesus, the way of kindness and love and power? And who are the ones who are actually walking in supernatural power and healing the sick and raising the dead? Who are the ones who are, who are not just seeing Jesus as the kind of the security, the security net? right? The fire insurance to not go to hell, but who are the ones who see life in heaven starting now and actually proclaiming and embodying the kingdom of heaven here now and not just waiting for later? I think that's the deeper question that's actually surfacing right now. Where, where are the followers of Christ? And what you see even in the body of Christ, there's a sifting that's happening and there's a shaking that's happening. And I think for a lot of people, it's really nerve-wracking because, you know, denominations are failing and all these things, right? Churches are shrinking, all these things. But I think it's, it, this, is, this is a day, this is, this is the day 
for the church of Jesus Christ. And what do I mean by that? Anywhere historically or globally that there's pressure applied to believers and followers of the way of Jesus Christ, a good day for the church is about to erupt. Anywhere globally. And so what's happening is, yeah, people's conveniences, our conveniences and our comforts are, are being confronted. And, and we're actually having to be, uh, you know, we're having to answer, you know, the question, do I really, have I really given my entire life to a first century Jew who was with us for a few years and he died for my sins and he came back from the dead? Not only do I believe that, would I suffer for that good news? That's happening around the world, by the way. Like, we don't, that's just not even part of, it's not even part of our conversations most of the day. That's not even something we, we don't even really face that. But do you understand, around the world, people are so taken, so taken, so captivated by the good news of Jesus Christ. They're like, I will suffer. I will have, I'll have my limbs taken away. I'll have family members taken away. I would give my life because I cannot imagine another reality apart from the man Jesus following him wherever he wants to go. I don't say that as like this shocking emotional play. You guys hear me here. I don't, I don't insert that as like trying to get you to feel something right now. Th- that's a reality that's happening around the world. And I do believe, I do believe that even for us, man, there's this, there's this shaking in the church, even in America, where, where, where others, some are pressing in, some are moving away. But I believe that, that, that the Spirit of God is calling us back with these simple words, and he's looking at us straight in the eye and saying, wherever you are, Mike, will you follow me? Sarah, will you follow me? Ed, follow me. Graham, follow me. Jackie, follow me. Betty, follow me. And it's a question that we get to awaken to every day. And, and, And so I think for today, it's a question. I, I, I believe that, that we need to relearn how to hear those words from Jesus to us specifically and ask ourselves, like, man, as a follower, is it a status thing or is it a movement thing? Am I fitting God into my plans or am I orienting my life around his plans? Is, he, is Jesus a good option? Is he just another good option? Or am I at a place where it's like, man, I, everything I have, is, I count as loss for the sake of knowing him. And so this starts with an identity, an identity of, of disciples, more than an activity, more than a mental assent to agree with a few things. The identity of disciples is, man, am I a Am I, Jesus, am I, I'm moving with you today? And I, I just confess in my own life, man, there's places where I've been more concerned with leadership than I have followership. As, as, a, lead, as a pastor, I, often, I, I just want to confess, many days I'm more, I'm more concerned with how I'm leading than how I'm following and I believe that Jesus is shifting that because he wants the best for me. Some days, man, I'm more concerned with 
orienting my life for security and a future of security than I am training myself to know the nuances of his whispers. And it's a thing, man. Jesus is like, hey, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back, do you know what what are you responding to? And so maybe I think even today, wherever you're at, there might be a place like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know your story. Maybe things are just moving and alive, and this is all that you're aware of is the activity of Jesus in your life every day, every moment, and you're just going, and you're going, and you're going. I bless you. I bless you to lead as a follower. And I bless you to, to manifest the fruit of the kingdom as you do what Jesus is doing, as you're lear- learning to hear from him and respond to his voice. But maybe if you're here today and, and you even sense right now, it's like, man, Jesus, I need you to, to recalibrate these places, these places where I maybe believed in a, a different thing was happening here. I thought something else was happening. <laughs> but maybe, maybe you need to confess something to you. Confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that he's still inviting you. And maybe if we could just close our eyes around the room, Um, what I love about Jesus is that no matter where we're at, if, if we're still kind of on the edge, like, I don't even know about this whole thing. Or those who are, who are just like, would, you know, we're pros. We've been at this for a long time. The invitation every day is exactly the same. That he never leaves us right where we're at. That he always wants to take us to somewhere new. But he'll always meet us right where we're at. And that's what I believe he wants to do right now. And so around the room, I, can you just, I just want you to picture Jesus, the face of Jesus. I want you to picture as if you were a man in a boat, a woman in a boat too. You were fishing, whatever you're doing. And Jesus comes walking up the road. And you see him. And he sees you. And you make eye contact. Notice the expression on his face. And I want you to listen to him call you by your name. And just just hear him say the words, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Maybe you need to say that out loud. Just you, you might be in the room. You might just need to say your name when the words "come and follow me." Pat, come and follow me. John, come and follow me. Perry, come and follow me. And just pay attention to how your heart responds to that. What is it that you want to do right now? You know, you, you can do whatever you want. What is it that you want to do? So I want to pray for us because I, I believe that this 
sometimes we have to shift old ways of thinking. Or we have to let Jesus kind of flip a few things upside down. But we get to walk out of this place planted. Not to move on to another event or another thing, but we get to walk out of this place every step as, as a follower, as one who is going where Jesus is going, on mission with Jesus, doing the things he does, which is going to the lost, to the broken, to those who need some help and some hope, and, and manifesting the same invitation of, listen, you can come and follow Jesus too now. I'm going to pray for us. Yeah, let's put your, put your hand on your heart. Let's disagree with what Jesus is doing. Jesus, we thank you today across the room, Lord God, that you, you just have this way of meeting us wherever we are at. And I thank you, God, that we are in a, such an exciting, unique time in history, in our nation. And I do believe that there's this revolutionary, yet so simple calling, God, to follow, to follow you. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that you tune our ears to hear. And God, that you would let us to be a people that not only listen, but continue to respond and wake up tomorrow and respond again and wake up the next day and respond again and wake up the next day and respond again. God, that our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and our Thursdays and our Fridays, God, are just as full of life as our Sundays, Father. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we do, Lord God, that you are faithful to just take us into adventure. God, you take, you take us into places of life. You take us into places of change. God, you take us into places we'd never expect. But God, help us today. Help us today. See ourselves, God, in view of this invitation. See ourselves, Lord God, not, not as disciples who are just, just disciples on the calendar or disciples according to status or groups or anything like that. But God, I thank you, Father, that we are first and foremost, God, followers of you. And it's our joy. It's our joy to drop what we're doing and to go wherever you're leading us, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand together. And uh, I'm going to invite the ministry team up front. And uh, man, this is a chance for anybody, if you just want some extra prayer, we're going to have some words on the screen for physical healing. Um, if you have any of these physical conditions, we would love to get a shot at praying for you. And uh, yeah. 
I bless you, bless you as you go. Um, may the Spirit of God go with you in all that you do, that it be blessed and oriented around his activity in your life. Hey, before you run out of here this morning, if you're a guest, we'd love to connect with you back at the Connect Center. Um, if you're not a guest, um, feel free to hang out for a second, meet somebody you, haven't, uh, you don't know, talk to somebody you haven't talked to in a while. And uh, yeah, don't rush out of here, but just uh, welcome everybody, have some conversations. Love you guys, and we'll continue to, we'll continue to walk this out together. Be blessed.